Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to We Live in a Society, otherwise known as the Dumpster Fire, that is the inner workings of our mind. You have come to just the right place. Yes, hello, hello, hello. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, hello. Um, so, before we begin, we have a bit of a disclaimer. So, we've both had a weekend,、um, and now we're <laughs> suffering the consequences of our weekend. <laughs> So, if we sound pained throughout the podcast, please know, you know, we're just supremely hungover. Fuck. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's begin. Alex, our host、yes. today. Thank you for that very accurate disclaimer. <laughs>、um, we are still human at the end of the day, so, you know, this stuff does happen. But you know what?、It、makes it part of the experience. Right, our coping mechanism, very on brand for this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So,、uh, yes, as I'm hosting today, I thought it would be cool to revisit my, my home country, my hometown of the Blue Mountains. So, today I want to go through three different cold cases、um, that have occurred throughout the Blue Mountains. And what is interesting about these cases is that one, there's a theory that all these victims are linked by one certain theme, which is that they are associated with like drugs. Second,、oh. there's been, there may have been an involvement by an infamous serial killer.、Uh, everyone may have known him by the name of Ivan Milat. So,、yeah. chuck him into the mix. And the last thing is that the reward for all the information of any information that comes up、uh, has now increased to over half a million dollars. So, there's a lot of money at stake here and a lot of information that is missing. So, yeah, what makes these cases like especially interesting for me is that. They all happen around the time that I grew up in the in, in like Blue Mountains or Lithgow area. So, as these things are occurring,、yeah. I, am, I am a small child just making my way through life. I remember like I used to go out pretty late at night. Like my family would go night walking. <laughs> like that. Yeah, during this time. So, I'm very like <laughs> shocked. I don't, actually don't know how I feel. I actually can't wait it out that all this year was <laughs> happening behind the scenes. That's、right. on the agenda. Yeah. Yeah, these are your foundational memories of your, of your childhood, basically, of just murder throughout your childhood. You know, kind of sets you up to be the person you really are today, Alex, I feel like. Yeah,、um, I really feel like that. <laughs> yeah, no, with the Blue Mountains, there's always this air of like mystery and undertone of danger, right? Because you're associating nature and you're associating people, and you can't find people in nature when it's so dense, right? Like the mountains are so fucking far away and so quiet, you never really know what secrets it holds. So, I am very excited for you to like permanently scare me away from your hometown this week, <laughs> Alex. Exactly. Let me paint you a very、um, clear image of the Blue Mountains before we start so you can kind of visualize this happening. So,、oh, hell yeah. the region itself is called the Blue Mountains and we're split up into smaller towns. So, what will normally happen is like, for example, if I live in Lithgow and I want to go to Katoomba, which is like the next town up, you have to drive like 10, 20 minutes just to get there. So, it, it's very split up. It's not like, One big area where everyone is all together. So it's small communities within a bigger region. So that's why, if anything ever goes wrong, there's a lot of bushland in between each town for you to do some shady shit, which is why I feel like this has occurred. That's terrifying. Oh my God. So you said it takes 10 to 20 minutes to drive to the next like, sub town, right? Correct. Dude, that's insane. Like, okay, for comparison to those not living in Australia, I live in the suburbs basically. And my next town or like next suburb is literally. Two minutes away. So, Jesus Christ, how much fucking bushland do you have in between each town? That's insane. 
Yeah, I don't know the statistics, but it's pretty big. Like, I'm pretty sure we have like a World Heritage site, like the Three Sisters is a World Heritage site, something like that. It's like super, super, super vast. Wow. And if you're really like not into the whole like bushwalking, forest scenery, it's really not the place for you. So I'm going to go through three different cold cases. And as we go, go throughout, I'll point out like key themes and things that have happened that sound a bit weird or like things that like stand out for me. And yeah, as we go through it, Helen, feel free to just, you know, follow along and um, interject where you're needed. Perfect. So the first person we're going to talk about, her name is Maureen McLaughlin. So this is the first case that happened. In terms of the circumstances, she was 23 years old, last seen on March 31st, 1992 at a hotel in Lithgow. It was during this time, actually, that my family came to Australia. So I was not born oh. yet for people who are wondering, but my family um, started to come during this time. What happened was she had made three ATM withdrawals the day before she went missing. And then she was later reported like actually missing by her father on April 3rd. And so she was actually, out of the three cases we're going to talk about, she was the only body that was actually found. So the other two were still Ooh. missing. And the way she was found was there was this dog, this is dog walker pretty much. She's walking her dog, having like, gone about her normal daily life. And her dog was like sniffing around the ground and like led her to like the shallow grave. And she basically found like her arm like sticking out of the oh. ground. And yeah, that's how this person was found. So, <laughs> dude, that's straight out of a horror movie or like Criminal Minds or whatever. It's always this scene where you see just that hand, that like half rotten hand in this, um, in the dirt. Scary, yeah, scary. It's legit like nothing you want to come across because if I was just walking my dog and I found a dead person, bro, I'd probably have like PTSD for the rest of my life. Like, right, the real. trauma that comes with that. Oh my God. Yeah, so. Not it. And especially being in like the Blue Mountains where it's just so much like bushland. I probably like, honestly, like, when I grew up, I, I was expecting to find like some, someone dead <laughs> in, like in the dirt patch or something. Cause it's just oh, like, my. it feels like something that would happen. But like this actually happened, so. <laughs> uh, I'm glad it didn't happen to you specifically though, but actually, oh, yeah, you know, it shouldn't happen to anyone, but. Uh, yeah, but you know what? It is what it is. So this dog walker finds the body, her arms are sticking out. She has like a fucking panic attack. She runs to like the police station and she pretty much reports the case. So she's saying, I found a dead person, <laughs> like yada, 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 the whole process starts. Oh, wow. And so once the police are aware that there's like a dead body in the like, local community, they, of course, you know, they print out flyers and like to get pictures of her and they start putting it around like the main streets of Lithgow to get more information. And like the main street of Lithgow is like not as, when you think of main street, I, I think about like George Street in Sydney, right? It was like super yeah. big, like super long. Um, our main street is about, it's about, I don't know, it's about like, it's not very big. Like you can walk it in the span of 10 minutes. So it's really small. It's just a street with a bunch of shops on the side. So um, yeah, and you'll just see regulars there like every day. Like people who live around the neighborhood will come. They'll do their grocery shopping or some shit like that. So it's really small. Right. And There's so they're putting up. Uh, yeah, the foot traffic is just uh, like locals in the area. You're not going to see tourists. You're not going to see, like, right. anyone else apart from people who live in the area. And it's, like, really small. Right. So, yeah, they're, they're putting out flyers to try to get more information, and that's happening. And, like, okay, this is the weird part of the case. One of the weird parts of the case for me, which is just, like, when I read this, it was just so left field that I didn't expect it. But um, mm. basically, this person, like, random man, just, like, runs. I'll quote-unquote the newspaper. He, threw op he throws open the door of the front door of the police station and just starts yelling profanities at the office staff. Demanding, demanding for them to like take down the posters. So 
don't know. Yeah, and then he just runs away, and no one gets a description of him. <laughs> he like because he just disappears. Like he just like comes in. He yells all this like random stuff, telling them to take the poster down and all this other shit. And then he just runs out, and like no one ever sees him again. So That's like, I don't so know strange. Yeah. Dude. So you're telling me there was a crazed man who was yelling profanities. Are you sure that wasn't you, bro? <laughs> In I mean, the mountains, crazed man yelling profanity. It sounds like you. I mean, yeah, now it would be like I was not, I was not uh, in existence yet, so unfortunately not me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's a very interesting fact of the case because, like, if someone's going to come in, like, no one has ever identified this person either. It's just some random, or I call him a random, maybe he's linked to the murder, maybe not. But for him to just barge into a police station, you know, people who have like guns and shit and like enforce the law and just like yell at the office staff to take the photo down. To me, that screams very, very, very sus and like quite like so ominous. suspicious. Yeah, yeah. Like why would any other person want a photo taken down of like a missing person or whatever? Or, like a dead body, you know, like the identity Correct. of a dead person taken down. That's so suspicious. Oh Correct. my. And okay. yeah, they, they never really got an idea of him. He's... He's probably still out there. Who knows? But yeah, this whole case is very weird. So um, her current reward, the current reward for any like information is 200K. So if you guys have ever heard anything, <laughs> feel free <laughs> to go and collect the reward because it's a lot of money. So that's the first part of the case. That's interesting. The second part is there's been like this theory tested that at the time of uh, Maureen's death, there was actually involvement from like Ivan Malat, which for those who may have not heard him before, he's deemed one of the most like, the worst serial killer from Australia that has ever existed. He would basically like, correct me if I'm wrong, Helen, but I'm pretty sure he would basically like find people who are bushwalking and just like take them and like kill them in the bushes or something like that. Yeah, I definitely have to brush up on Ivan Malat. Story we might even cover him for another podcast, but I'm pretty sure it's something along the lines. It's definitely involving nature and the woods. And like, I say woods as if we're in America, but like the forest, <laughs> sorry. Um, it's definitely involving nature somehow. I remember learning about Ivan and Malat in our evidence class. And we were just talking about like the, during the trial, they walked him through the bushlands that he was hunting in for as part of the trial. And it was, it was the most eerie thing I've ever read. We really should cover him in a later one. But anyways, anyways, Correct. that's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So the reason they have this theory is because he was working with like the Department of Main Roads at the time. So I'm sure he was just doing like some road maintenance or some shit. Um, so he was in the area uh, when this person like was murdered. And, like, mm. another creepy thing when I read this was, like, that's just really weird because, like, I would have been in the same, <laughs> depending on time frame, I could have been in the same area as Ivan Malat. Fuck my oh life. Oh, my. Like, like, that's just, that's legit, like, spooky town right there. Like, I would have oh been my. a child, but, like, to have him, like, like in the vicinity, that's, it like, scared the shit out of me when I was reading this last night. It was, like, really weird. Whoa. Um, yeah. That's scary. Yeah. So just imagine having the worst serial killer, like, walking around your town at night, bro. It's like Seeb's man. Wow. Um, you were sharing your streets with a serial killer, Alex? Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe I saw him and I just never knew. You know what? Maybe we still are sharing street, um, the streets with serial killers. We would never know. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that, that probability is like 100%. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> just 100% probability, nothing less. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that happened to her. Her father, so her father right now currently believes like, in the theory that there's like a serial killer on the loose what during that time and probably still is because no one was ever found and yeah so that's pretty much maureen's story she's just what seems to be an average person going by her daily life uh what i will note is that she did associate with like uh the drug ring at the time in lithgow so 
Mm. Uh, keep that in mind as you go throughout the next two cases because that is the central linking theme is that all these people were involved in drugs in some way. Oh, so would that be the motive then, do you think? Or are we going to talk about that later? Uh, we could talk about it as we go through. But yeah, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure if we're going to connect these people, the best way that we can connect them um, is through this like association with like drugs and stuff like that. So that's definitely okay. something to keep in mind with these people's cases. Right. Okay. So that's Maureen. Let's move on to Belinda Paisley. So she is a 20, not 20, a 19-year-old so she's pretty young, and she was last seen September 26, 1998. So this is about um, six years after after Maureen was murdered. Oh, wow. This is very close to when I was born. Interesting. Yes. I would have been two years old at this time. So oh, wow. amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the circumstances surrounding her case was that she had received a very big inheritance. It was about 150K um, a year before she died. So she came to a lot of money. And I'm pretty sure this was very like out of our left field for her because she I don't think she had held this much money before in her life. So and at 19 as well. Yeah, she's 19. Like, you buy a house yeah. with that. That is so much, especially back in 1998, 150k for a 19 year old. Mm. That's insane. That's a lot. Yeah, of a lot of money, a lot of responsibility. So what she actually did was she did buy a house with her inheritance money. She had two young sons at the time, and she was living with one of them, and her other son like with her father somewhere else. So he's out of the picture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she bought a house and she moved in with her son. And she later began like a new like relationship with somebody. We don't know his real name because for legal reasons, we had to, they had to change it. So yeah, so oh. that's all already a bit sus. Yeah, that's what it is. So she's bought a house. She moved in with her son. She's got formed a new relationship. And over time, what happened was her house turned into like a drop-in center for the local drug community. So if you think about it, she's trying oh. to raise a child and there's like druggers coming into her house constantly i'm not sure what they were doing in the house she's oh, like a dealer she's a user yeah that's what happened to the house so mm. oh wow it was 1998 i think around um this time or slightly early in my own community there was quite a few of these drug drop-in spots or like houses it was basically where you know people who were addicted to drugs they couldn't you know shoot up or do drugs on the street so they'd convene in a house and then do drugs there so they yeah. weren't caught by um, police or whatever so i think that is what it's getting at but either way it was quite common back yeah. in the day it might still it be probably is <laughs> maybe we don't know about it but i'm pretty sure it's still happening but yeah that's pretty ratchet to think there's like a child there and <laughs> your childhood home is being used as a drop-in center for drug addicts uh, yeah child. and to be honest i didn't actually know there was a good drug community in the blue mountains until i read the cases so that's new news for me mm. nice to know that the blue mountains is just a bit more ratchet than i thought it was previous <laughs> so that's fun but yeah so on the last day that she was actually seen it's been recorded that she was punched in the face by an acquaintance on the streets of katoomba yeah you, so you you already know it's kind of sus if you're getting punched in the face and then you disappear and so, you know, right. after she gets punched, she's like, fuck this, I'm going home. She goes home with her boyfriend, and they later get into, like, another fight. So I'm not sure about the details of the fight, but what happens afterwards is, you know, there's, like, broken windows, it's really messy, like, there's, like, smashed mirrors everywhere. So you know the fight was pretty dirty. Like, it's not going to be one of those just, like, yell at each other fights. This is, this is like, pick up, pick up a shoe and fucking throw it at your person, like, your partner's face kind of fight. So pretty violent stuff. Mm. And so the boyfriend leaves. Because he's just like, fuck this, man. I'm staying with my friend for the night. And the na- there's like so much noise that the neighbor calls the police about like a noise complaint. 
when the police come and they check it out and they find her like alone she's like super intoxicated and she's just like on the floor pretty much like she's either, like high or drunk or like something like that's going on right. not in a good state yeah so they take her to a hospital yeah. and then she gets a bit better and like she like goes home later that night and she calls her mom to break, bring her son back <laughs> and her mom's like nah bro like it's like 11 p.m i'll come tomorrow it's a bit late to bring your son home so Uh-oh. so she's just left alone for the rest of the night uh, the next day, her friend comes to check on her because she heard that she got punched in the face. So um, being a good friend, she's like, oh, you know what? I'll check on her and make sure she's like, okay. And she doesn't find her like anywhere. It's like she searches like the house. It's like her friend's just not there. Like Belinda's just like disappeared somewhere. What's weird is what she, do- what she does find is uh, her bag and her wallet are like squashed down at the back of the couch, which is pretty sus when hmm. like nobody, st- you don't stuff your like ID and your stuff like at the back of a couch unless you're hiding it or whatever, right? Right, so that's really right. weird. It's almost like whoever, oh, mm. I'm just going to go out on them here and say whoever took her, it's almost like they wanted everyone to think that, oh, her wallet's missing. She must have like voluntarily gone somewhere or run away or whatever. So that's super dodgy. Yeah. So, you know, a few things are missing. It's, it's already like alarm bells ringing because I'm like, if you're going to do that, like something's, something's happened. Yeah. Right. So that happens. Like her friend doesn't report the case immediately. She kind of just like leaves it for a bit and then she calls the police afterwards. She's just like, oh yeah, like my friend's missing. So that that is like, I don't know if that's normal, but uh, that, that's a bit weird in my, for me, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah. the day after that, the police are called again um, after like docs workers go and check out the place. So right. that, yeah, that's going on. And then they couldn't access the house and they can't find anyone in the house. So they call the police because they're like worried. Um, and when the police get there, they have to like, force himself into the house because it's like locked or whatever and um, they go and search and stuff and like everything is like normal when her friend was there but this time they find like blood in the bathroom or like what looks like blood in the bathroom things are starting to pick up um and that pretty much is where her story ends because her disappearance is still being investigated like 20 plus years later and like her body mm-hmm. hasn't been found like since she disappeared so the current reward for her is a hundred thousand dollars Damn, there's so many dodgy points in this entire case, like that delay in her friend calling yeah. the whatever. I'm sorry, my bad, calling the police. <laughs> uh, the being punched in the face, that's super suspicious. And then like the wallet in the back of the couch. That is like so dodgy. I'm surprised that they didn't find more things in that mm. house. Surely there were some leads, right? If there was blood and everything exactly. in there. Sign of a struggle, maybe. Nothing. They didn't find anything. Nothing, just the blood. And so they have a list of suspects, but like huh. there's no like evidence or like hard evidence for them to actually have a lead or anything like that. So it's really weird. There's so many red flags in that case. And no, wow. Yeah. All right. okay. I swear, no case has ever been like very like linear flow where it's like, you know, missing evidence and then like <laughs> I'll find the suspect or whatever. Like it's never like that. We've been misled by all <laughs> our youth um, binging of criminal minds. We really have Legit, been misled. But, you know, still five stars, sir. But yeah, so that <laughs> happens. Another interesting thing with this case is that um, during an inquiry into her disappearance, the police actually obtained like a phone tapping recording um, from a conversation that happened between her boyfriend at the time and her father and his father. So there's talking, talking. Um, oh. And pretty much what happens is that during the conversation, the boyfriend re- refers to someone as like the dead chick, um, which he later denies, and Ooh. he like he argues that like he said dead shit. So like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh my. Okay, so he 
dead chick, dead shit. All right, whatever you say, bro. Okay, yeah, okay. so he's just trying Jeez. to cover up. So again, sus to the max because, you know, who says that and then, you know, says they didn't say that. It's just very, very not normal. Mm, very suspicious. What kind of, And, like, also you were the boyfriend of the deceased, yes. right? What would prompt you to say someone that you like were in a relationship with someone that you loved and call them just like yeah, dead chick? Like I feel like right. he refers to her as like a just like an object where it's like, oh yeah, like the dead chick is there. Like it's just like Ugh. Oh that is so, so gross. Oh my god. I just got like shivers down my spine. Imagine oh, oh yeah, yeah, so we don't actually know if he was a suspect or not. I mean he is, but we don't know if he's uh who he will ever be like deemed like the murderer because her case is still ongoing. But another thing that's weird about the case is that although they had the phone tapping recordings and stuff like that that they could have brought up in the inquiry, um, it actually doesn't get used at all throughout the whole, like, hearing. So they have all this evidence and, like, the council um, does not even bring it up. And so when when it's questioned why this evidence wasn't used, the court at the time just says, like, oh, we don't recall why we didn't use it. (laughs) So, like, that's all they say. And I'm just like, what? That's dodgy. All right. So um, when I read this little bit, in our shared notes i went i actually went into my evidence law notes to kind of get like a better idea or a better feel about why this wasn't used and what like this could be such crucial information right it's like it says a lot about his character and everything so anyways as per my notes just a disclaimer (laughs) i'm not a lawyer we are not lawyers let me make that clear and we won't be lawyers for a long Mm. while but like with phone tapping right the admissibility of getting evidence from phone tapping and getting that admitted mm. into the court of law is actually really contentious, right? If we're talking currently um, in New South Wales, as it stands right now, it's against the law to record a private conversation mm. without consent of the other person. But if it was back in the day, because this is what, like 21 years ago, this law was only like from 20, sorry, 2007. Yeah. So 21 years ago, maybe they had a warrant, whatever. Either way, even if they had it, can you even... Mm. bring that into court is it admissible right if you remember anything about admissibility it's super complicated there's like the three-stage process whatever whether it's relevant not relevant or exclusionary rule right and then like if there is an exclusionary rule can the judge like dismiss it anyways whatever it is there's many steps to it and you have to be very clear or everyone involved will be very clear about why the evidence wasn't admissible in the first place. And the fact that it wasn't raised and he was like, oh, shit, we don't report. That's so fucking dodgy to me. Like, what do you mean? Like, there's so many stages you have to go through. You wouldn't know exactly which stage it didn't pass. So why is a man saying that he can't record? Why? What? You know, you think about, like, trying to solve a murder case as if you wouldn't bring up a phone conversation where someone refers to a dead person or allegedly. But... As if you would not use that at all. Like, that's really weird. Yeah, yeah. So it's super dodge. Yeah. That is dodgy. Um, that is dodgy. Then again, we're not lawyers. It's an opinion. Like, please don't sue us. You know, we're just our opinions. Exactly. Our opinions is all alleged, exactly. alleged, alleged. Exactly. Opinions, um, so, you know, but yeah, right. like, he was, he has an alibi that he was at his friend's house. Um, he's got that going for him. But at the end of the day, if you're going to say like that in a phone combo, it's just kind of sus. And so she's been gone. She, no, she's never been found. She's probably right. in the woods somewhere, which is just really weird to think about. But that's Belinda. So that's the second case. Um, we're going to move on to Kelly Carmichael. Hmm. So this is the most recent out of like the three. And so with her, she's just a 24-year-old. She was last seen staying at a hostel in Katoomba, April 29th, 2001. So this is 
after the millennial happens and she pretty much is about to check out and she tells her staff she tells the staff at the hostel she's like you know i'll come back later and i'll come and collect my shit so just like wait for me and she leaves uh, a couple of days actually pass and then her parents contact the hostel on may 5th so this is like almost a week later and that's like you know like have you seen like kelly is she around like yeah. what's going on um and they find out that she had never like came back to collect her stuff and they're just like whoa what the fuck um, so they come down to but so she's mm-hmm. uh, originally from Geelong, so she's not like she's not a local. Yep, um, oh, she's just like staying okay. over and doing some stuff. And right. so they come, to, they come over to Katuba and they do like um, they do like one of those searches for her, or they like I think they like get like a working group together and they go out and like try and find her. Um, her brother comes along as well and tries to help out. So they're trying to search for her, and they do that for two days, and they don't find anything. Right. Yeah, literally nothing. So she nothing just disappeared. At all. Um, and that's pretty much all they know Most. about her case. So hers is like the one with the least information and she's just pretty much disappeared into thin air. They've never found her since. They're not sure what's happened. Um, her father has a like theory that her case and the, and what was her name? Maureen, he feels like her cases are connected just because her circumstances are like super similar where like she was also like, Kelly was also right. like associated with like drugs and stuff. They were in like the same area the same social group and stuff like that. So that's why he feels like they were like similar, similar circumstances, which is why like maybe it was the same person that did this. Um, and her current reward for information is $200,000. She's just disappeared. Yeah. That's a lot of disappearances within like only a few short years and within such a small community group. Cause you were yes. saying like, you know, you guys were quite small, quite tight knit, right? Yeah. That's a lot of disappearances, so we, honestly. Two bodies have never been found. Maybe there's like this underground like drug ring going on. Who knows? But like, oh, there's like a serial killer going about some shady shit, man. That yeah, her body's never been found. So who knows where what's happened to her? I feel like she was probably murdered by somebody. But there's literally nothing to go off with her. Mm. Oh my! So you're telling me that in the mountains, that is already scary yes. for the fact it's in the mountains in the nature with no one around. You're telling me there's an underground drug scene there, where pretty much just women who are associated to it wind yes, up there is dead now history of that and it's never been fully fully investigated so <laughs> who knows what goes on to give people yeah i mean to give people context like That's, lithgow area Tuba, like <laughs> i wouldn't call it the most like stable or safe place for you to go at night just because like let's be real like the blue mountains has, has a lot of weirdos so um I wouldn't recommend walking around there at nighttime because who knows, you're probably going to get shanked. You've probably seen SJ. Um, Lithgow is like super, super remote. It's just a town and it's just like farmland, like surrounding area. So you're really going to like, if something happens, like, yeah, you're pretty fucked, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And I can't imagine just kilometers and kilometers of fucking nature with nothing around. What? You want me to go hike there by myself at night? Yeah, no way. Legit. No way. Um, actually just wind up dead. Yeah, like, personally, as much as I like hiking, it's always, always given me the fucking heebie-jeebies, right? When night fell. It's just so eerie. <laughs> I have no idea how you lived there for most of your life, to be honest. It's just, like, kilometers and kilometers of dense trees. Like, if you get lost or captured or kidnapped, you know, who the hell is going to find your dead, yeah. rotting body in the I middle mean, even of if you just go, forest, even if you know? just, like, innocently trip and then uh, end up, like, wounded or whatever, like, it's high chances no one's going to find you. You're just going <laughs> to, like, you could just disappear in the woods because you just hurt yourself and, like, no one's going to find you. Like, it's just so dense. That's really scary. 
Yeah. And it's like, to my knowledge, a lot of the mountains, since mm. it's like quite, it's mountains, there's like a lot of steep areas too. And because it's so steep and the, um, what is it? The vegetation is so dense. Isn't it like really incredibly hard sometimes for search parties to even go into certain Yeah, spots? like you, they got to so bring like, in the helicopter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you have to bring in <laughs> the helicopter and they've got to like fly over you and then they got to do the whole thing where they like slide down the rope and pick you up. It's a whole process. Like it's, it's not fun. Um, I've had many cases at night where I hear helicopters like flying overhead because they're going to go rescue some random bushwalker who thought it was a good idea to just like walk by themselves. So uh, never walk by yourself when you're going bushwalking unless it's like a really open area and there's lots of other people there. So that's the first point. Um, always travel in groups. Don't do it at night either. I don't know. Um, I've talked to a few people before, right? Where they go, they like hiking at night or at like um, when the sun's setting because they're like, oh, the views are the prettiest. But in my head, I'm always like, if you trip, no one's going to find out where you are until yes. at least the next morning, right? Because it's dark. Yes. But who's going to take a helicopter Correct. out at night to look for you when it's so dark? You know, and then in that time, you could freeze to death. You could get eaten by animals. <laughs> you could get a, like develop a severe allergy to fucking plants or something. And like, you know, get hay fever. And then like, can you get hay fever and die? I don't know. Either, either way. Um, I, think, I think it could be a contributing factor. Contributing factor. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh my yes either way hiking that's why hiking and bushwalking as a hobby is so alarming you know it's like it's a cool activity hay fever and you get the possibility of murder on top of that i mean yeah it's super easy to stalk people in the bushes like i don't know why as a kid growing up i'd always like had these like weird like thoughts in the back of my mind that like someone's just like watching us walk because you can like it's not that hard <laughs> you literally could just stay like 100 meters behind on like an elevated surface and you could just like watch people walk like that's how easy it is to stalk people um, and who knows? Yeah. Talking, yeah. Right, right. Um, talking about stalking in the bushes, I was reading a um, story or a case from America where it was the same idea. It was just, it was like a bushwalk, a little trail thing. And then these two girls were walking and they're like filming themselves, you know, as you do like a little <laughs> yeah. vlog kind of thing. And in the vlog, you see them being followed by this like man. There's like huge old man just following them slowly. And then the girls like in the video get more and more creeped out. And it gets to the point where they're just kind of like running, but then this man is still following them. And then guess what happens? The girls go missing and they never find the man. Yikes. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. like legit. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. I remember like watching this TikTok because you know, that's what the cool kids do these days. <laughs> <laughs> cool kids oh my god you boom i mean you watch tiktok as well helen let's be real the fact that you said that's what the cool kids do watch tiktok yeah oh man because like there are people that deny watching it but we know they watch it like that is true, you know, that is true. at least be honest with yourself but yeah i was what i was like um i was like scrolling down and i got into like this weird i think the algorithm like put me on this weird list where like all these stories are coming up and like they're like horror stories or like random murder stories or like really weird creepy like facts that like people just talk about so like my my like news feed or whatever you call it it was just like all these like weird stories and <laughs> did you just call story... sorry sorry just before you do that did you just yeah. call the for you page your news feed holy crap you are <laughs> a boomer you are a boomer confirmed. yeah man whatever you call it i'm so cool I, I seems man this is all the same <laughs> shit at this point um uh, your for but you anyway page. Yeah, man. Um, this guy is like sharing a story of like when he went camping with his girlfriend, and like basically what happened was that um, they were like inside. It was like nighttime, and they're like getting ready to sleep or whatever. And like they heard this, like this weird noise outside their tent. And like you know, with tents you can't actually see anything, but you can see like oh. shadows. It's like the lights, right? 
um and so they were hearing noises and then they're like kind of scared or whatever so that they were like just like listening out to hear like what it was and what it sounded like was like a guy like picking up big rocks and just like moving it closer to like their tent so they were just like what the fuck yeah and they thought it was like maybe a bear or like an animal or whatever so they decided to make like some loud noises just to like show that they like this like like just to like try and scare someone away or like scare the animals away or whatever and like it wasn't working because like they're making noise or whatever and then they were like listen and they would hear the same noise again like it just sounded like a guy like scraping a rock up into their, their tent and then so, so that happened for like uh like a couple of hours or whatever and they're just like they didn't leave because they're like, scared to leave very reasonable response to have because if that was happening to me i'd just be like fuck this man like lock up the zip like no one's coming in i'm not leaving the house so how do you even lock up a zip isn't that just like material cut like if someone had like a sharp enough rock or a knife can't they just cut straight through the tent and you're fucked anyway oh, yeah, because you're now in this enclosed fabric prison <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly or like they could just throw a rock at you <laughs> like <laughs> actually and you won't even know where it's coming from all you know is you're just feeling rocks hitting you anyways yeah. i digress continue so, sorry Anyway, yeah, they're sitting in the tent, they're fucking scared of shit, and, like, they just hear, like, this weird noise and, like, like rocks getting put near the tent. And so, like, it gets to a point where, like, their car's kind of close, and, like, the boyfriend's just, like, let's fucking, like, leg it to the car and just drive. Like, leave our shit, just get out and, like, run to the car and drive. Yeah. After, like, they, like, hype themselves up, and then, like, they unzip the thing, and it's like, run to their car and, like, they drive off. And, like, as they're, like, um, running to the car, like, they never see anybody, but, like, when they open like the tent thing, they just they just see like all these like rocks like placed very like specifically around their tent, kind of like a ritual thing. And like That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, and they're just like fuck this man. They're fucking like leg it to the car, and they just drive off and leave all this shit behind. So that's like a uh, yeah, that's a story. Like I heard from TikTok. It's fucking creepy, man. It's the reason why I don't go camping because I don't want this shit to happen to me. <laughs> Damn. I love how you told me this as I'm planning my um next camping trip. <laughs> Or when COVID is over, and I was like so excited for it. I was like, yes, heads, yes, nature. We're gonna have so much fun. And then you tell me this shit. Thank you. <laughs> Not yeah, only are welcome. you scaring me away from your hometown, you're scaring me away from my own future plans. I mean, you you're welcome. If you picture it right, <laughs> you could just be innocently camping, and then some random just like happens upon your campsite and starts placing rocks around you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, goodbye, goodbye. That I'm dead. I'm gone. You know, like if that happens. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is happening, but something bad is happening. And goodbye. Yeah. That is like, I'd rather be attacked by an animal than like encounter like a human trying to do some weird shit around me. Like that's the animal. I'll take the animal any day, to be honest. That is true. Look, at least with an animal, you know, it's probably just hungry or it's like, you know, it, you're in its habitat or area, right? Yeah, yeah. But with, it, with humans, you don't know what the fuck anyone is thinking. Everyone's so fucking deranged. I swear to God that everyone has a secret dark side and they have like all these wild fantasies and especially at night in the middle of the woods, they can they feel <laughs> the freedom to do whatever the fuck it is they want to anyone. And that's terrifying, dude. Humans are terrifying. Yeah, it's that. the psychos that like you need to watch out for at nighttime because, you know, it's free reign, man. Like no one's out of the bed. Like if, you're, if you come across somebody, it's, it's kind of GG. It really is GG. What's the scary thing that's happened to you like when you've been bushwalking or has it rel- um, been relatively calm and chill um to be honest i haven't encountered any like scary things when i was bushwalking the most like prominent thing that comes to mind when i think about like weird stuff that's happened was that i don't know this is just like i pro- it was probably just like a one-off like nature event but i kind of like thought it was like a ghost it's kind of like a ghost story but i was a bit i basically to paint a picture it was like i was home alone with my dog and we had like a thunderstorm happening and like the thunderstorm was like super, super close to my house to the point where 
every time you would hear like every time my thunder would go off like a house would actually shake like that's how close it was it was oh. really close oh yeah it was like actually quite like terrifying as a child to see the walls like shaking when there's the, a the, the thunderstorm going on so that was fun yeah but and it was like raining and it's like the wind's like howling so you know when the wind howls and it sounds like a ghost it's like woo. <laughs> I do know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, so it's just a combination of all of these different things, you know, just classic, like, horror movies type environment. And so my dog's, like, walking around and shit, and then he decides to go into the kitchen and sit down and face, like, the laundry door. And he just, like, sat there staring at the door. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, fuck. You know, with, like, animals, I'm pretty sure, like, there's, like, this there's, like this theory or whatever it is that, like, cats and dogs can, like, sense people or, like, sense ghosts and stuff like that. And so like, they're, like... Because sometimes my dog would just like do something and then he'll stop and then stare and he would just like stare at something like nothing. And I'm just like, um, yeah, I'm just like, uh, is there like a, a demon? Or am I going to like get, um, am I going to get possessed in a second? He was doing that and I was just like, okay, I came to see what was up. And um, I'm just like, I kind of like bent down to like pet him. I was like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> and then suddenly like the, the laundry door, which was closed, mind you, it just like, bust wide open like the wind like it was like <laughs> and it just opens and i'm just like holy shit the door just opened by itself and i was just like fuck this man i was so scared i thought i legit thought it was a murderer like someone came into the house based on the way the door opened it was so sudden and then the door just like opens and, like slams into like the wall because it's like how much force was used to open the door and then yeah we we're just like i just sat there like staring at the door for like the next like few seconds because my flight or oh my final flight responses were going off but i didn't know what to do so <laughs> yeah, you were clearly fight, flight, or in Alex's case, freeze. <laughs> yep. And just so, stare at it. Um, so that happened, and that pretty much terrified me for the next, you know, couple of weeks because I thought either there was a ghost or someone's breaking into the house. Um, mm. so that was fun. Which reminds me of another time. Actually, it was like late at <laughs> night. I was like seven years old at the time, so I'm pretty young. Um, just mm. before I had a dog or anything like that as well. So um, everyone was sleeping, right? This was like one of those like really weird things that just like stared at me since I was a child. Right. But what happened was like um, we have two doors to go to the backyard, and one has like one's like a sliding panel door. Mm. So there's that, and there's also like a fly screen door like, that connects to it. So there's two doors. And I remember waking up one night because I was hearing like this loud banging on the on like the fly screen door, and like it was very continuous. It was just like the banging was yeah. happening like, every few seconds. Like you would see someone like banging the door. Like it's, it's kind of like if someone was knocking. It was like really loud and it went on for about like five minutes. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like no one was awake. And so it was either like an animal like hitting the door at the same time consistently or like someone was trying to break into the house because it was really loud. It was just like banging the whole time. And I was the only one that heard it. And I was like too scared to go out and check. So um, in the morning, like I just, I kind of just like let it happen. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> if someone breaks in, then like GG. Otherwise, like fuck this man. I'm not going to go check it. And in the morning, there was no damage to the house. So I don't know what the fuck that was, but it fucking scared the shit out of me. Dude, the mountains get wild sometimes. Jesus, whether it's the weather or like the animals, dude, the mountains get wild. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. not it's going there. Shit, man. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, did you have? Do you have any weird encounters that come to mind? Um. Well, where I live, it, it's quite populated. Well, pop it's suburbs, right? So there's people mm. around. Most of my scary stories kind of involve just people in general like being followed home from a train station by you know a man on a bicycle who's just like cycling really really close to me and I'm like trying to pretend that I'm not terrified out of my wits but in reality I have keys between my fingers and like I have my hair <laughs> shoved like, into my shirt so he doesn't grab my hair right so most of my experiences involve just being scared of people not so much the spooky stuff 
which I don't know which is better or which is worse, to be honest with you. Yeah, like none are ideal. Um, I remember talking about this with somebody and he said one thing that I don't know if it like reassured me or just made me more paranoid, but he's like, mm. whenever like something weird happens, um, you're probably not that lucky 1% that it actually happens to. So it's probably just nothing. But then I'm in my brain, I'm just like, what if I am that 1% that, that weird shit happens to? <laughs> true. That is true. I don't know if it's like a byproduct of, you know, us studying how people fuck up and how people have like all these ulterior motives <laughs> that oh, yeah. makes us so fucking paranoid as people. But every single time I make eye contact with someone and it's like, it doesn't feel warm and friendly, or even if it does feel warm and friendly, I'm immediately guards up. I'm just like, okay, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? What do you want from me? Yikes. Yeah, well, you know, such is living in this society because we live in a society. Oh, wow, look at that. Podcast <laughs> name drop. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't even, when I drive at night, I lock the doors like immediately because I'm just like paranoid over nothing. I don't know why. You want to hear, you want to hear a really great driving story? But so basically the story goes, there was this girl who was, you know, uh, at uni. She drove to uni. It was a late night and she was her usual routine she was gonna go into her car and then just drive away from uni and drive home and she lived in a relatively remote area like in the mountains mm. um and when she was driving she got in and then there was a huge branch in the middle of the road because there's recently been a storm right mm. so she gets out of her car drags the fucking uh tree log branch whatever off the street and then gets back in her car and then drives and at this point she sees a car behind her and the car is like honking flashing high beam and driving closer and closer and she's like by herself in yeah. her car freaked the fuck out right so she's like okay okay i'm just gonna quickly drive home and then hopefully this guy will just leave me the fuck alone right so she drives all the way home this mind you that car is still following super close she parks in front of her place the car still right behind her honking beeping and everything she's like okay i have one chance i'm just gonna bolt straight home I, mm. you know, hopefully this guy doesn't come out and chase me. So, like, as this guy's, like, honking, high-beaming, she runs out of the car into her house, and then she hides, and then the car is still beeping, still honking, and she's like, what the fuck does he want, right? So she peeks through the window, and then she sees, after honking and beeping for a while, the car stops and drives away, and then she's like, oh, phew, I'm safe. But then she sees, out of the backseat of her car, a man crawls out. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that is the story. Of Chills, driving alone bro. at night. Yeah, man, legit. Like, that's the shit that will haunt me for the rest of my life. You know why? It's because there's been many times, because um, my some of my family still live in, like, Lisco, right? So we go and visit them, mm. we have to drive. And, like, the drive to there is, like, it's just all bush and some cliffs and shit. And, like, there's been many times when there's just been random branches on the road when, we're, like, we have to, like, stop and get out and move it. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that legit happened to me. I swear mm -hmm. it happened to me. Like mm -hmm. one time we found a wombat on the road. It was just like, oh, we had to move it. Yeah. Stuff like that. Oh. And, and like your attention is not on the car, it's on the, the object mm -hmm. that's blocking your way. So mm -hmm. anyone could have like literally just like gone in, like and hit in the car or something like that. Yeah. That's why I'm always paranoid. That's actually so terrifying. And the theory goes, um, so I was reading like a theories on this story because I'm pretty sure it's based in a true story. It goes that like the man that was in her backseat deliberately put that branch in front of her so she had no choice but to move it, right? And he was just hiding in the bushes, wait until um, she gets into the car and it was, either it was like a um, home invasion or he just wanted her to drive somewhere so she possibly like, you know, wind up dead. But basically the honking and the flashing was so that every time uh, he like the car behind flashed, she would see the shadow or whatever, or like the guy would be too scared to jump out and like do anything, right? Yeah, man. That's anyway, just like terrifying. 
actually makes my palms sweaty just thinking about it. Yeah. Well, have fun for your next drive back home. Hmm. I mean, no thanks. I'm just going <laughs> to stay here where, it's, where there's people around. That's what I like about the city is that it's more populated. So you're not like walking home alone. Like there are times when I just like have to walk home and it's just like dark and it's quiet and <laughs> it gets the heart pumping. That is true. But like, are you really safer around more people? Are you really? I mean, the age old question. I can't answer that. <laughs> who knows? Maybe I have, maybe I'm living next to like some widow right now. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that should conclude our episode because we've been harping on for a really long time about scary stories. Uh, yeah. You know, it's all connected at the end of the day, but like, let's wrap it up. Um, so. <laughs> Based off these cold cases, I mean, the question that's on my mind and hopefully on other people's is like, you know, was there actually like, is there like a serial killer in the Blue Mountains that's responsible for this? Um, maybe it's like someone who's just like living in the community now and he's just like acting normal. Like, who knows? Like, no one will ever know until the bodies are found and then like evidence comes out, whatever. And because like all these cases are related by like um, drug association, maybe like that's connected or like maybe we're like some underground like drug rings responsible for this. So at the end of the day, we just never know. Um, and mm. like, you know, is Ivan Malat involved? Like, who knows? Like, probably, like, this guy's fucking cooked, bro. He's probably killed, like, many people in the mountains. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was, sorry, I just did a bit of research. Ivan Malat was convicted in 1996. Okay. Well, <laughs> nice. When I was born, too. Very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the wrap of the case. We'll never know. We will never know. We will, and I don't think we'll ever know because the mountains hold so many secrets. Very, very big region of land that holds many dead people probably but like you know that's an assumption i'm not gonna i, I will not stereotype my 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 hometown of like <laughs> this like rent place where people go to die but that does bring us to the end of uh, our podcast today so hopefully you guys found it interesting to hear more about some blue mountains cases because that area is like very shady in yeah. certain areas certain parts yeah, and I hope you realised why bushwalking should not be a hobby of yours if you value <laughs> yourself. Yes, it should not be an individual hobby. By all means, go in groups in the daytime. Yeah, anyways. So <laughs> if you enjoyed that and our little rambles afterwards, remember to subscribe. Like, we really appreciate the support and we'd have an episode out in a fortnight. Do follow us on Instagram on welivinasociety.pod for all the, you know, fun funky fresh updates i'm kind of doing a little bit of graphics although it's kind of poor graphics either way we're trying yeah yeah follow <laughs> us on instagram <laughs> and also follow us on like spotify or apple music um maybe even soundcloud this is where like all our podcasts will be so it's super easy to find us um if you ever have any trouble all our links are in the bio on the mm -hmm. instagram account so just uh, chuck a visit over there and you'll find all, like, all of our links so just a little bit of a think piece to carry you over onto the next fortnight until you hear our lovely voices again. As Friedrich Nietzsche once said, when you look into the abyss, the abyss looks into you. That is philosophy 101, bitch. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. So much thinking in that. So mm -hmm. deep. So deep. Think about it for the next fortnight. <laughs> exactly. But apart from that, take care, everybody, and stay safe in this unprecedented times of uncertainty we'll all be fine if we all just like are smart and mm -hmm. um play it safe because mm -hmm. at the end of the day we live in a society exactly goodbye goodbye everyone goodbye